Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. TV voice of the Cincinnati Reds, and you're up for late night Reds talk. What's going on, everybody? It's Monday night, and you know what that means. Another fantastic edition of Late Night Reds Talk Live, part of the Believe Podcast Network and betonline.ag. BetOnline has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues, it's March through college bowl season, the pro football playoffs. Well, I guess there's one college football game left, but you get the gist of it. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome code on your first deposit. Just use our promo code believe b-l-e-a-v 50 to receive your bonus from basketball like the chicago bulls football like the cincinnati Bengals, nhl boxing and ufc right to your favorite casino games don't wait don't waste time to take advantage of the all amazing offers for the upcoming seasons but that being said let's go ahead and get some reds talking why don't we i'm tim daniel i'm back i had a two-week fight with the coves and i'm back with my boys i'm very excited to be here with our excellent producer mr nick kirby what is going on happy uh Happy Monday night, fellas. Happy New Year. Uh, also joining us, former big league pitcher himself, excellent part of the team, Carlos Guevara. What's up, boys? How you guys doing tonight? And excited to have joining us now for a second time on the show. I'm so used to saying Red Lake Nation, but we now he is now known as running the as the master of the webmaster of the Riverfront, which has some excellent work on there. Uh, also has a great newsletter they has sent out. This is Chad Dotson of the Riverfront. I'm just making sure I get it right. Chad, welcome back, man. Hope you had a great holiday season. Oh, fantastic holidays. He's really happy to be back with you guys. Uh, I've been on your all's uh, show more this year than I've been on my own. So, you know, that's because you all y'all the OGs, right? <laughs> Is that what we're called now? <laughs> Something like that. We'll, we'll be the video OG. You're the, uh, the, the, the audio OG. Yeah. It's true. It's true. We're over 400 episodes now, but I'm just, uh, we're, we're riding your coattails on this, uh, <laughs> this video, the new video uh, format. Yeah, man. It's been really awesome. It's been really, really good for us. I've really liked it. Um, so obviously things are, it's a little hard to talk about baseball and it's a little not right now with things going on. Um, but it looks like one of the bigger kind of conversations right now is the lockout is, but uh, there's things you need to know between talks and owners and players as things get serious in January. Uh, they're saying talks could pick up this month. And then also we have some situations here where um, leverage is being discussed and they're saying time will be running short as pitchers and catchers are reporting in about you know middle of February right after the Super Bowl. Um, so obviously talks getting serious seems to be a good sign. Um, but I feel like this has the potential to be a rush spring training, and I'm really hoping that's not the case. Yeah, like what? It's getting serious in January. Well, we've already wasted some days. Let's go. What are we waiting on? Yeah, every day counts at this point. I mean, you know, like- <laughs> right. Let's go. Let's figure it out. We're going to speak and it's going to be serious this time. <laughs> we promise <laughs> we're, we're, we're serious this time. I still remain of the opinion that they are going to get it, uh, get it done. 
I think even before spring training starts, because there's a lot of money left on the table for, for spring right. training. Now, I, that, that may be just me trying to be optimistic. I don't know. But uh, I, I do remain optimistic about that point. Um, and I do think we'll get 162 games uh, of the regular season in either way. That's until I see something that tells me otherwise. Although they've got a lot that they're arguing about. It's going to be a contentious fight. But, uh, you know, I got my fingers crossed. Yeah, I think we're kind of on the same book over here. Which leads to this crazy news today that Ken Rosenthal, apparently MLB Network has cut ties with him after uh, Rod his Rob Manford criticism, which, I mean, that's hilarious in a roundup. It's not great that Ken lost his job. It's hilarious that they're so sensitive that they can't take the heat uh, in my eyes. But, um, you know, obviously Rosenthal's a big part of baseball media, whether you, you, know, you read The Athletic, he was a huge part of Fox Sports as they were launching. He's been you know, in dugouts during games for national TV broadcasts, he's done it all. It obviously has the infamous bow ties. So I guess poor Ken maybe said a little too much for uh, MLB network and they got a little upset. Who doesn't like Ken Rosenthal? I know besides like awful former pitchers of the Reds that we need to talk about. (laughs) That's weird. I mean, that's obviously coming from the owners because I mean, Manfred has nothing else but a puppet. So he's just a middleman. So, I mean, it, what a weird stance to take for for the owners to bit pissed like that. But I mean, what is what is anybody going to do about it, really? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, obviously we know baseball, Major League Baseball, and the owners they have their uh, you know their uh, interests, which are to maximize their profits. Frankly, Rosenthal maybe the most talented reporter uh, in baseball. I mean, he just the 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 guys uh, the real deal. And you know uh, when when all the teams you know kind of came under one banner. Uh, under MLB.com and, you know, they have each team has their beat writers, but you know, none of them are independent. They can't, they can't, is, they can be the best beat writers ever. They can't write whatever they want to write. Uh, it's just a fact. And so, you know, are you getting the truth? Well, most of the time, but are you sure that you're getting the truth? Well, you know, it's, it's always sent through, you know, a, a filter, I guess, because, uh, you know, you, as we see with Ken Rosenthal, your job's on the line if you don't tow the company line. So Rosenthal land on his feet. I'm not worried about him, but uh, you know, it's just right. again the 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 day to day coverage of baseball is so different now than it was uh, even 10, 20 years ago. It's it's just a completely different game. And who do you believe? I don't know. Yeah, hopefully at the end of some of these beat writers' careers, they come out with some books like the stuff I wish I could have written type of deal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. About it here in ten years, twenty years from now. Specifically Trent. I don't want Trent to retire anytime soon because I love his work, but that that day that he gets to write that book, if he does, very much excited for that. I want to see Trent's version of a, like a screenplay for the Brandon Phillips uh, biography, you know. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> the real truth, you know, of that dude BP. That'd be awesome. Massive friend of Red Lake Nation, right, Chad? Huge friend. Huge friend. The I still have the receipts. Uh, yeah, he sent some indelicate uh, direct messages to us once upon a time and we didn't engage because there was no win in that one, you know, but uh, he didn't like being criticized. And I, I understand it. None of us like being criticized. I've gotten used to it over the years. He hadn't gotten used to it yet. I think Rosenthal actually probably comes out looking great in this. Like he'll he probably does. be like the the martyr for this, but this is just, it's, it's one of these things that it's a, such a bad look. And I mean, I think this hurts their negotiations. I mean, I think this hurts the future of, you know, players wanting to come on MLB Network, being like, "Well, are they a real news source? Like, you know, are they just a you know a shill or whatever?" And I just, I, I don't get that at all. Right, especially right now for this like to happen, like at least like be smart about it and like they always about money, you know, and in, in six months or something, just bad time. 
that's a point. You know, Manfred, for all he wants to maximize revenues for the owners, in terms of uh, public relations, he, he's not a PR guy. I mean, he, he makes baseball look bad at every turn. And here's yet another example. Uh, he may not be suited for uh, for that job. Him and Nick Crawl, that's uh, that's not their strong suits. <laughs> God bless Nick Crawl. They need but to yeah. send them to that uh, rookie seminar before the season. They send all the rookies to where they can learn how to speak to people. <laughs> yeah, Nick Crawl should should have gone through that. You think once you before you become a GM, you'd think you, that might be a box that you didn't have to check yet. But with Crawl, <laughs> he yeah he needs to go to that seminar. Oh man, I put that so. I know we're kind of we're moving through some talks pretty quick here, but this is I'm, I'm all hopped up on Mountain Dew tonight, guys. Um, <laughs> we're kind of to see, obviously, with the world of social media is all we have for baseball right now. The Hall of Fame ballots are really kind of starting to make some uh, some some cash grabs and attentions out there. And we actually have a question here. Uh, so who would you vote for on the Hall of Fame ballot if you had one? Shout out Andrea Kirby. Thank you for tuning in. Number one Kirby in my heart. Word. Same. <laughs> Respect. Same. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's silly if we still continue to do this thing where we act like Barry Bonds wasn't the best player of his generation. And, you know, obviously you can do this, you know, there's the, the song and dance of the steroids and I get that. And I know that's rubs some people the wrong way, but like, come on before the steroids, he was a hall of famer after them. He was say what you will about it. Um, he's, you know, one of my favorite players of all time and, you know, arguably the greatest baseball player to walk the field, the walk the fields, you know, Barry Bonds will definitely on my list. Clemens will be on my list. Definitely not Kurt Schilling, even though he was great. Definitely not Kurt Schilling. Um, I think my list, what I had here, let me see. I had Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, David Ortiz, Andy Pettit, Manny, and A-Rod. I left Scott off. I had pretty similar. I had Bonds, Clemens, Helton, Ortiz, A-Rod, Roland, Wagner, just because he was so uh, – uh, among relievers, his his stats really kind of are eye popping. And then I don't know with Schilling. I don't. I haven't thought about him enough. I don't really want to think about him enough. He's no. deserving to be in based on his career, but whatever. I, I don't. I don't. Well, know. he. You remember he asked to be taken off the ballot. <laughs> it almost would make me want to vote for him after he said that. You know? <laughs> like, he asked to be taken off the ballot. That's like when I was a a junior in college and I declared for the NBA. You know, <laughs> you're not making that decision. <laughs> Those are some interesting ballots that you all had. My ballot just had two names on it, Joe Nathan and Omar Vizquel. I don't know what you're all talking about. <laughs> That's not out of the norm. Tell you that. No, no, literally it's not. It's the worst part about probably are. Yeah. There probably are voters that, that did that. Now my mind goes like this. I've got bonds. I've got Clemens. I've got Helton. I've got Andrew Jones. Ooh, I've got, like uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Controversial, uh, incredible defensive center fielder. Um, let's see who else do I have? Manny Ramirez, A-Rod, Scott Rowland. I do have Kurt Schilling. Um, and I think that's it. I could maybe be talked into Sosa. I'm, I'm a, I've, I've gotten to the point where I, we got to get some of these guys in the hall of fame. Uh, the one that I'm most passionate about is Rowland as a former red. And I think that there's such a, uh, there, there's so few third basemen in the hall that he really stacks up amongst third basemen that have been yeah, you're elected. Right. Um, so, but yeah, you know, the guys like Bonds and Clemens, come on. Um, and Schilling's the same thing for sort of a different reason, I guess. But whether you like him or dislike him, you know, and we can argue about Schilling's case. He's not a surefire, obviously, but, you know, Bonds and Clemens, come on. It's it's not a Hall of Fame if those guys are not in the Hall of Fame. It's just, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how you justify it. Yes, okay. I know you don't like that they, uh, you know, use uh, substances. Well, 
a lot of a lot of people did. That was the era. Let's let's tell the story in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but we we can't pretend they weren't elite when they played. Correct. I don't know if you guys remember. Just like, did you guys ever see Bonds play in person? I, I, I just what it, once what it was like once. when he would like walk to the bat, like at you know at, at Riverfront, like just like. I remember because I sat on the third baseline and you know, Bonds was obviously a left-handed hitter. So all I see is like the crowd behind him and it's just like so many flashing balls and just like that. You know, it was, it was like a rock star playing baseball, man. It was, it was unbelievable. Yeah. It was, it was, it was incredible. It was just, it was, you can't go to the concession stand when you know he's coming right. next inning. Everyone's in their seats watching it. Just, it was a, it was appointment viewing. And I don't know. I just, I mean, we can argue about the, the steroid area all you want, but why, why are we pretending here that, that Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens were not among the very best ever to play this game? I think I've changed my stance a lot on this. I think when like they first came on the ballot, I was kind of like, ah, I don't want any steroids guys in. But it just it feels like at this point the lines have been so blurred that how do you differentiate? There's guys in that ha- did steroids at this point. Like we, we, we pretty well know that. They just didn't get busted. And so, like, we're kind of in this weird blurred lines. I kind of view it as, um, and I know this is not, like, a a Nick Kirby opinion. I know a lot of people share this opinion. But I kind of am am on the uh, the train of if they would have been in without, then I'd vote them in. I think a guy like Sammy Sosa and maybe Gary Sheffield, uh, they're kind of like, if they're borderline, and and I know they did steroids, they're out in my book. But if they were going to be in either way, then you know that that's kind of you know what I would do, um, and, and I think Andrew Jones. I, I don't think I had him on mine, but yeah, I, I should have. have. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, his his peak was just so elite, you know that I, I think he deserves in. And you hate to have a, a guy get in because not get in because he got hurt. That was just so uh, so far ahead of everyone else when he played at, at his position. Yeah, you know, kind of like up there as far as defensive center fielders in the 90s, like him, Griffey, you know, those two just above and beyond for everyone for me. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I don't, I don't think people realize how good he was. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I just remember watching him in the playoffs for the first time, watching the playoff game in my dad's backyard, my parents' backyard. And as soon as he stepped in the box, he just looks and he's got that little smirk. I'm like, oh, this he's one of those dudes. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be watching him for a long time. Yeah, I remember that like like in '95, I guess it was, because I remember I was living in D- uh, Washington D.C. at the time, and uh, my roommate, big Yankees fan, and it was Yankees and Braves in the World Series. I think it was the game that Jones hit two and runs that game. I'm like, this guy's like, he's a kid, and he just that <laughs> swagger and just he, he loves playing and a lot. You mentioned Griffey, a lot of the same things with Griffey, just a smile yeah. and a, a joy to be on the field. I don't know, I know he's a Brave, and, and we don't love the Braves, but uh, golly, that guy. Uh, I, I don't know, maybe I overrate him because I enjoyed watching him so much. I think that's yeah. totally rational, though. Um, you know, I think with, you know, Nick, you brought up Sosa. And I think one of the things where, like, you know, kind of like Chad said, like, I could potentially be talking to him. And yeah, I agree with your point um, of, you know, are they without it, with or without it? But for me, that Sosa McGuire summer, like, I still kind of feel like it really brought baseball back after the strike in 94. So I really feel like that just meant so much to baseball because people cared again. People were going to games. People were watching on TV to see it happen. So I could definitely be talked in the Sosa. Is any of that stuff in the Hall of Fame? It's got to be, right, from that year? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I, it has to be, yeah. I've not been. But I don't, I it's went, been a long time remember. since I've been, yeah. It's, I mean, if that's in, then you got to put them in, right? Right. 
Well, that was I started to mention that when we were talking about Bonds a moment ago because that that summer when the yeah. Joseph McGuire thing was going on, it was like everywhere. You know, I mean, you couldn't go to the concession stand, and then you know the next day, everybody's like, "Oh, you know, this wasn't uh, we weren't watching on Twitter at that time. Did he get one last night? You know, did uh, did McGuire get one last night? Yeah. It just I don't know. If I could just build on what uh, what Nick said because I think it's a perfectly reasonable stance to take. If they were going to be sure. in, it, otherwise, okay, they should be in. That's Bonds and Clemens, obviously. Uh, clearly to me, those guys were Hall of Famers before they ever started juicing. I that's completely reasonable, and I and I've actually gone back and forth on the way I would uh kind of analyze this. I've come down on the side of if they actually performed on the field, if their numbers are numbers that you would if you give somebody from the 1940s and they'd be in the Hall of Fame with those numbers, then we you know we should put them in the Hall of Fame, and if you want to put a line or two on their plaque saying they got busted with PEDs or have a big exhibit with their big face uh, there. <laughs> That's fine. Tell the story of baseball. You know, it's a, it's a museum. Tell the story. Uh, I don't care. But I just, I, I don't, I have a hard time keeping guys out that actually performed on the field. Yeah. And the, uh, like the relievers, Nick talking about, um, who did you say? What was it? Uh, Wagner. Yeah. Wagner. Like it's so tough. Cause when you think about it, I mean, he was one of the best ever to do it. So he should be in based on this position, but that position now is kind of getting hurt from it's kind of doing the opposite of what, like say somebody with high OBP, like Joey, like, you know, they've kind of reversed now. It's like, it's going to be hard for a closer to get in because I mean, he's not always pitching in meaningful innings. I mean, you know, you can be up three runs. That's not as important as getting out of the eighth and and that those numbers show now. And you can, you can put the stack those numbers up, but that's, I don't know. It's hard to hold that against them because, I mean, they did what they were supposed to do. They put him out there for a save when it was a save situation and they were old school about it. And he was one of the best ever at it. And it sucks that he's probably not going to get in. I don't think he will. That's also actually, that's actually an awesome point. Like I did not think about that at all. I like everybody surprised that uh, Carlos made an excellent point. (laughs) It's a great point. It it is the reverse of Joey Votto, really, where Joey Votto's numbers are going to look better as we move along and people learn more about the game and understand more about the game, whereas the way the game is shifted in terms of relievers, a guy like Billy Wagner is probably not going to look as good. I think it's it's an excellent point, and uh, I tip my cap uh, in your general direction, Carlos. I'm out. See you guys later. I think uh, my last point before we move to the next topic here, I want to mention is um, for 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 Nick and I, I think we're officially hit the point of we're old because I remember Carl Crawford's major league debut and now he's on the ballot. I was uh, I was at, at one point on McGuire. I was at the uh, the game after he hit uh, sixty two. It was at at Riverfront, and uh, it was just such an electric atmosphere. Um, it just for for a guy that wasn't it. it he got a standing ovation from the Reds fans. Like imagine a Cardinal today getting a standing right. ovation from Reds fans. And I know that it wasn't as, as tenuous as it is now, but um, it was, it was just one of the coolest experiences I've ever been to. And they only played like four innings and they took him out. Um, Tim is going to be at the, at the Reds game. Whenever Yachty says his last goodbye and he stands up and gives him a, a I will ovation. not be giving him a standing ovation. <laughs> the only, the only person standing. <laughs> I have a strict no neck tattoo policy. We know who won't be there. Chad won't be there. <laughs> I definitely won't be there. <laughs> Unfortunately, I missed the old, the old ball yard, but I'm not uh, heading out uh, while the Castellinis are around. I'm afraid. <laughs> I'll break down this year. I know I will, but I'm going to. What, hold, what, if, hold what if they trade for Mike Trout? Does that does that change your thinking? 
Probably. Yeah. What if they sign six free agents? Uh, Well, they're going to sign six free agents, but they're all going to be minor league free agents. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've already signed a couple. No, I I know I'm going to break down this summer. When the summer rolls around, I'm going to be like, okay, I've, I've, you know, taken my stand that nobody cares about. And what am I doing here? I'm just hurting myself. I want to go have a, you know, a, a Coney and, and, and watch the Reds. I love great American ballpark. Uh, so. 70, 74 degrees. And you're like, Oh, I don't think where, you can where say else that you no be? one, I don't think you can say no one cares about your stance because it's like a very popular thing on Twitter with Reds fans. <laughs> yeah. It's Twitter real life. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I, I hope not. Yeah. yeah we hope not. Life. Yeah. Well, let's kind of talk real quick. So obviously the reason we're here is to talk about our beloved red legs and their, you know, their prospects for the upcoming season. Obviously, you know, we had an interrupted off season, so things are kind of in the air. Uh, we know Michael Lorenzen's gone. We know Wade Miley's gone. We know Tucker Barnhart's gone. But, you know, Jonathan Nitty did get rookie of the year and looks like he's going to be the man for a very long time. Uh, maybe the next face of the franchise, you know, with how he looked. Um before you know i was gone last week um but you know they had they had nick senzel on i mean uh, bobby nightingale on talking about nick senzel and that was a great starter too and i'm still pretty high on him as well um you know hunter green nick lodolo obviously this seems like the year's going to come up chad when you look at this ball club and you look at the prospects of what they potentially could be obviously it's january 3rd so there's a lot that's going to change before before march 31st um but what kind of really jumps out to you about what you see from this team as for potential wise for the upcoming season I constantly am having to remind myself not to get so frustrated with uh, the Castellinis and the nonsense going on in the front office and forget the fact that we have a pretty talented roster here in Cincinnati and a lot of fun guys. And I've yeah. been saying for a long time, really easy to root for these guys. I mean, you know, there are no, no guys on that team that you, you just don't want to root for. Other than that, Jonathan India, he seems like a jerk. But the rest <laughs> of them with his orchards. <laughs> exactly come on no i mean it's just uh, this is a team that is not a bad team going into the season it's what frustrates me is they could be a really good team if you know the, the front office would decide to make that push because they're that close that's the same thing as this past year they were so close we saw they were you know one of the better teams that we've seen in uh, you know one of the top five teams probably in the, the lifetimes of most people watching this uh <laughs> this uh show so I don't know. I, I, I try to temper my pessimism by just looking at the actual roster and seeing how many the offense should still be pretty good. You know, there's a couple things that are, could happen. I think we'll be talking about at least one of them in a moment. Um, you know, but if 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 Suarez or Mustakas come back to somewhere near what we should expect of them, okay, that's that's big. That's big. But the yeah. offense should be good. The starting rotation, yes, we gave away uh, Wade Miley for free, uh, which is just uh, insanity to me. But look at that rotation. Still should be pretty good with some depth as well coming up from uh, from AAA. So, I don't know. It's still a good team. I just want a, them to be a great team. Is is that asking for too much? No. That's what we were no. promised. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 2006. Yeah, Chad, I think it was your, I don't know if it was your last show or, or two shows before. You guys really kind of dug into that. And, you know, I think you have a little bit stronger of a stance against uh, uh some of the, the front office that, that some of us have, which is fine. I mean, you know, we're all uh, entitled to our own, you know, opinions and stuff on that. But I think it was really important that you guys, you know, you said, well, okay, we might not like what's going on, but let's not forget that there's still a really good team here. There's still a, a, a lot of really, really good players and a lot of, uh, you know, reasons to, uh, 
you know, to still, you know, be interested in this team and, and not to forget that. Cause I feel like kind of that that's gotten lost at times where people have gotten, you know, so upset and so frustrated that they are, you know, forgetting like, like last year, I mean, the Reds were, you know, in, in the, the, the playoff race into late September. And I, I feel like people kind of, you know, let their, their feelings kind of, I don't know, maybe lose sight of that and, and maybe not enjoy that as much as, you know, they, they shouldn't, I, you know, I just hope people don't, you know, go back in five years when the Reds lose 95 games or whatever. And like, Oh man, you know what? That was actually, you know, pretty fun. You know what I mean? Those were the good old days. <laughs> the, the glory days. Oh. Yeah, but yeah, I, no, I, agree. I see where Chad's coming from, though. It's because you can see that, you know, we got the, a roster that's really good right now, but it could be maybe it's not really good, but it's good, but it could be really good. And that's the frustrating part. Then we start nitpicking at, you know, all the little things that's going wrong and, you know, choose one side where it's Farmer versus Barrero, like stupid stuff like that. Like either way, I mean, the team's going to be fine at shortstop. It's just we're, you know, the little things that we're picking apart just because we're not totally happy and we can see the potential that could be there. Farmer versus Barrero. Remember in like 2010, it was Vado versus Alonzo. How'd that work out, guys? <laughs> that was a thing for a bit there. <sighs> Sometimes I, I wonder, I don't, I don't know if Cincinnati fans like, I think we kind of piggyback off your guys' points too. And, you know, like Nick said, he's like, he's like kind of nervous that people are going to look at the 95 lost teams and then that, that situation. But it's like, sometimes I wonder if Cincinnati sports fans just don't know how to handle when they have a good sports team. Like, I don't think, you know, we've, we've gotten our ass kicked our whole lives, you know, we're well aware of this, but it's like, you see this all the time. Like with like last year was like, you know, well, they're winning. They won all these games in a row. Joey Votto hit eight home runs in a row. I was like, yeah, but the best they did was Michael Gibbons. And it's like, yes, I know. I know. <laughs> but Actually, Luis Sessa was pretty awesome. Let's not act like he wasn't. But other than that, uh, it's like, you know, like this is a great team. Like Chad said, it's an easy guys to root for. Tyler Stevenson and Jonathan India, like all the bit of the future. Like, let's have some fun with this, man. Who knows? Like, anything can happen, especially with a shortened offseason. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, it's not like this division all of a sudden has gotten right. done better yet. I mean, you know, the rest of these teams haven't gone crazy yet to really improve their rosters that much. Couple things go right, and I don't, this team really could be in in the mix for the playoffs again. I mean, they really could. Now, I'm not quite that optimistic. I wouldn't predict that, but I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility. They're they're good enough that you don't have to squint very hard to see them being a, a really competitive team next year, as long as you know the management doesn't tear it down any further. Well, especially if there's a seven team playoff, you know, which it sounds like is probably more likely than not at this point. I know a lot of us don't like that, but I mean, if there is, I'd rather the Reds be in than not. You know, they are going to go that route. Um, can, can I ask a question about that quickly? I know my questions are not nearly as eloquent as Miss Andrea Kirby's, but um, about that, if they expand the playoffs, do we feel like the Reds are just going to try to get to 500 and just sneak into the playoffs every year from that point? Or they, will they really try to put a an actual championship caliber team on the field? That's what worries me about the expanded playoffs. Is it's an excuse for Castellini to just keep it kind of where it is right now. I agree with that, and I think a, a lot more teams other than just the Reds will do that if that happens. We talked about that a little bit, but yeah, I mean, wh- why would they? He's accomplishing, you know, pretty much everything that he wants to get to the playoffs, get some of that revenue money, you know, keep the fans happy and somewhat coming to the to the games. I mean, what else do you want as an owner? I mean, it'd be nice to win a a world series, but all you got to do is really get in the dance. Right. I think it probably doesn't change much. And it, 
I don't know if I'm just throwing out a guess. I don't, it's hard to know really what they're always thinking. I would say that, that spending wise, it would probably be about the same, you know, that they would spend. I think they may be more aggressive at the trade deadline certain years. You know, I think that would maybe probably be the bigger difference for me. Well, happened this year. I mean, they were in it. They were right there and they didn't do anything. Um, I mean, they acquired three relievers. Well, I mean, yeah. okay, but we didn't think those relievers were going to turn out the way that they did. Like, I was pretty high on Luis Sessa, I will say. I, I hate to, you know, at the risk of agreeing with, with Carlos. So they, they did that. And Nick Crawl was basically like, yeah, well, I guess well, I can relax now. You know, I went and got three relievers, you know, and um, yeah, we're good. We're good. I mean, they didn't they didn't really make a huge effort to go out and improve the team. Those relievers did help the team. No question about it. And I'm glad sure. they did that. Um, but I don't know that I say that's a particularly aggressive uh, move. That's fair. Yeah, it's kind of middle road. I mean, I, I wish they would have got Chris Bryant. I mean, it sounds like it sounds like they could have got him for just just paying for his contract. I mean, that would have, but so could like, you know, ten other teams could have right, done that yeah. too. So that that's where I kind of get stuck in the middle of this. Is like, okay, yeah, maybe the Reds aren't doing it, but then I look at the other teams and I'm like, okay, well they're not doing it either. So it's kind of like this this uh this game of chicken it feels like you know that's what we saw in the division last year it was it was who's gonna make a move and no one really ever did except see that's what makes it more frustrating from go ahead carlos sorry yeah i'm sorry i said just except for the the reds varsity team the san francisco giants they did they went after it (laughs) yeah well that's and that's what's frustrating to me it makes it more frustrating maybe i shouldn't look at it this way is that nobody else in the division really did go nuts so if the Reds had actually tried to put a push on, they could have grabbed hold of this division and held on to it. So I don't know. I'm, I'm looking too much into the the what ifs, I guess. Uh, and, yeah. and I try to remind myself, let's start just to enjoy what they're doing on the field because because I do like this team uh, as currently constructed. I think it, I keep saying it, but I, I, they're not a player on this team that I'm just like, oh, get rid of that guy. Yeah, I agree. Joe, let me ask you this before we kind of talk about some of the current guys um, on the roster. You know, we've we've talked we've joked about this a couple times, and we're I think the more I joke about, it, the more I kind of like it. For a team is kind of you know when they when the whenever we are able to negotiate and get players back, and obviously I know um, the starting rotation is obviously a strength of the team. What do you feel about a Johnny Cueto reunion, a GABP? Sign me up. How do I sign that legislation? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, Cueto's not Cueto anymore. He's not you know, the Reds Hall of Famer that he was when he was here. He's just one of the best pitchers that we, any of us have ever seen in a Reds uniform. But, uh, you know, we're looking for a back end of the rotation type guy. Uh, and frankly, he, he also checks the box of you can put out a bobblehead of him. And, uh, you know, people are going to remember him well. Mm-hmm. Um, sign me up. I'm all for it. If we have to have somebody in the fourth or fifth spot in the rotation, I don't know. You can do worse than Johnny Cueto. I'm all for it. Let's. I'm let's, in. Uh, Let's do it. Let's do it. Fifth starter, Johnny Cueto. I love it. Yeah, I'm in. All right, so Eric Tendo asks, have any of you given up on Castellanos, and do you think Nick Kral will be competitive? I have not. Maybe I'm just being super optimistic, but, you know, I think he's. I think people suspect, like the people who are like, if I was him, I'd give him a blank check. No disrespect to Nick Castellanos, because he's a tremendous baseball player. I don't think there's a lot of franchises giving him a blank check. So. I still believe the Reds have a shot. I, I still think they do. Um, I still think they're going to go after them, but I think it'll have to be one of the shorter deals, like a three to five year deal. I don't think it's going to be quite the eight that he wants. I don't think he's going to see the market is going to be there for that. He'll probably 
But then that makes it really tough on the Reds because if they miss out on him and they wait, because he'll more than likely be a, a later signing, and they miss out on the rest of the guys, that's going to hurt. I think they have a right. shot. Oh, sorry. I, I think they have a shot. I mean, I, it'll be interesting to see kind of how his market, you know, kind of plays out once once the lockout, if it ever ends. Um, I think they got a shot. I think I, I, I still contend. I think the Reds still probably have about $15 million to spend. I, I I just I think they're going to get up to that 120 that they've been for three straight years. If they don't. It's really, really going to be a, a tough sell. Um, so Cassianos would kind of fit at least most of that 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 budget. So I mean, do you think Nick Crawl will be competitive? That's I guess probably the eyes of the beholder. You know, I I think that they're going to make some moves. I think they're they're going to do a little bit to improve the team, but I don't think it'll be enough to make most people satisfied. I agree in the sense that I don't think it's 100 percent that. Uh, Nick Castellanos is going elsewhere. Uh, I think there's still a chance. Um, I think it's a very, very slim chance, frankly, at this point. But uh, the biggest, the biggest part of it is um, what has been mentioned, which is that we don't really know what the market's going to be yet. And so the only way I see Castellanos come back is if, is if all the uh, uncertainty um, caused by the lockout and you know the negotiations and who knows how things are going to go in, in the in the wake of that. If all that uncertainty causes teams to be really hesitant for whatever reason. Then maybe Nick, uh, Nick Castellanos says, "Okay, you know what? I can hit at Great American Ballpark. Let me bet on myself on a one-year deal and go back to Cincinnati." I think, though, that what he proved this year is that uh, is enough to get some team to take a chance on him. Eight years, no, I, I don't see. I don't see it. But um, uh, you know, five years, I bet there will be someone willing to. And, and frankly, if I were the Reds, I wouldn't sign him for eight years. Uh, you know, I love the guy, sure. but uh, I, he, he's going to be uh, thirty soon here. I don't think that's a good bet. But um, forgot that he just had his first uh, All Star season. Uh, but I would sign him to a shorter term deal, certainly, and uh, up to four or five years. I would love to have him. But I think the only way the Reds get him back is on a one year deal, where he he's trying to just kind of bet on himself and earn a longer contract next year. Andrew McCutcheon, left fielder, Cincinnati Reds. It's happening, guys. He he can still match left handed pitching. I, I I'm not against it. It'll be interesting to see if if he changes his stance on being willing to be a DH or not. Cause I think that significantly increases his market. If there's a, a universal DH next year, um, I, I think that makes him a lot, a lot more attractive. So I'd be interested to see if he's, you know, kind of softens his stance on that and says, okay, yeah, I'll DH, you know, 50 games or whatever. Um, yeah. Money talks. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it does. So let's kind of talk about some of the current guys on the payroll. And um, you had obviously written last year, this story on Nick Senzel. And um, like I kind of said earlier, when Nick and Carlos had Bobby Nightingale on a couple of weeks ago, right before Christmas, um, there was a really deep conversation about how Sinzel still kind of in the in the favoritism, like you know, the franchise still appreciates them. They're still very high on him, and I think talent wise, it's hard to not be. Uh, you know, more than just the fact that he was the second overall pick, I understand. Like they feel like they it has to work, and I get that. Um, I tend to think that I'm kind of very more optimistic on him for the most, and I think a lot of that's just his injuries. But you could see, like, in that short time he played last year, you could see him getting comfortable in the box. He was working counts better. And obviously, he's a just unbelievable athlete to where they can, you can play multiple positions. Uh, what is your kind of, I should say, what is your hope and then what is your expectation for uh, Nick Senzel this season? Well, first of all, I'm looking at that gorgeous uh, layout there that you got on the screen. You know, that was uh, that was supposed to have been my, my uh, uh, first cover story for the magazine. And then, of course, uh, you know, COVID hit and uh, <laughs> we didn't have an opening day and it got pushed. It got pushed back a couple months. So, but um, 
Nick Senzel to me is the biggest question mark of this season. Cause we talk about the Reds going out and getting a free agent. There is need, there is need an outfielder, you know, um, they need somebody, they, they need to go acquire someone. But if Nick Senzel can be Nick Senzel, then that's just as good as acquiring, you know, uh, where are you going to get a guy with his athleticism, with his bat, when he's been healthy everywhere except for, you know, the limited time he's been in the big leagues. And you can't discount what he's done in the big leagues. It's it's, it's, it's happened. He, those are real at-bats, and he has not uh, performed uh, consistently. Uh, but he's hit everywhere else he's been. He uh, uh, he was healthy until he got to the big leagues. And, again, another thing, you can't just presume he's going to be healthy. But if, 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 if he can, I really, truly believe you could give that guy 150 injury-free games and i don't know if we'll ever see it i hope we do um just you know because i've kind of got to know his family a little bit so i'm a little bit biased i guess you'd say but um if he can be healthy i really truly believe it's such a jolt to this offense it just it feels it feels a a role where we think they need to go out and get a you know a mccutcheon or a or a chris bryant you know um is he going to be as good as those guys well who knows at this point um he he was the you know number two overall pick for a reason so um, he's one that I'm optimistic on, but I'm also not going to uh, bet the ranch on him staying healthy just until he proves that he can. So I don't know. Am I, am I silly for uh, having any kind of optimism about Sinzel after the, so many years of uh, injuries? Not I don't at think all. So. I, I'm all in well, on I'm the train. I got you all to agree with me on something. <laughs> I, I'm, I was I was really getting on the train, and then, then we had Bobby Nightingale on, and Bobby's like, the Reds are still really high on Nixon's out. I was like, oh. Sold, sold. I'm in. I'm all in. Um, I almost think it might be crazy. He could, in some way, he could almost replace Nick Castellanos. If you're sliding Tyler Naquin over to right and you're platooning him with a decent right-handed bat, whether it's Andrew McCutcheon or whoever, or maybe Aquino, I don't know, whoever. If he's healthy for a full season, he hits, you know, I don't know, 115, 120 weighted runs created plus plays the good defense, which would be an improvement from what the Red said because Naquin was a below-average defensive center fielder. He replaces a lot of that 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 you know value that you were taking away from Castellanos really quickly. It, it may not seem like it. It may be like, oh, well, he's not that kind of hitter. But when, when you start factoring in the defense and the base running and all those other things, it, it adds up a lot. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to say he's, he's Castellanos uh, necessarily, but I see where you're coming from in terms of the overall package. Uh, that's the things you, you don't really realize. He, he, elite speed, um, really on his way to becoming an elite defender. Um, I do think there are some there's some damage that's been done to the relationship between the Reds and Sinzel, but I think that a lot of that would be uh, completely papered over by a full season of health and production and uh, just a return to to who he is, uh, who he has been. So fingers crossed. I mean, uh, I don't know. He's got all the talent in the world. He's still youngish. You know, he's, it's not time to give up on him yet, but man, it's getting to the point where he's going to have to actually do it on the field. Yeah. How, how many more years of control do the Reds have of him? Three, four, four, four. four. Okay. Cause he didn't, he oh, didn't the, yeah. The COVID year and he didn't play last year. Well, the COVID year still counts as a full season, I think. Um, yeah, but, I, but, but that, but that first year doesn't count. 2019 doesn't count because they, waited to call him up oh, that's damn. right so I thought he had like maybe two years left or something so he's only he only has 2020 and 2021 as uh service time yeah what, and 20, i mean him being you know maybe 26 this year i think 
Yeah, owned by the Reds right now the way he is. I mean, he he doesn't get get a voice really. He's he's stuck. I mean, he can complain all he wants, but that's not going to help him anywhere else. If he was like a free agent with like you know that we had signed and he's bitching like this already, okay, maybe we can get him out of here. But no, he hasn't earned anything yet to really have that voice with the Reds front office. He's playing for a contract just like, you know, everyone else. Uh, I don't know, man, you you get healthy Sinzel, India and Stevenson in the lineup. That's a that's a pretty fun like like trio right there of young, you know, Reds players kind of kind of like uh almost like a Votto, Bruce Stubbs maybe. I, I don't know whoever your third one you want to throw in there. Kind of when they were all coming up and kind of had that feel. Yeah. I love about it. Barrero. Oof, if he can. Oh, yeah, my apologies. That's, yeah. No, That's I'm being serious one. though for real. Like if, no, he can, yeah, if he can, you know, hit a little bit, they're, they're going to find somewhere for him to play for sure. He's too good of an athlete. Well, and you start doing think that. About, and yeah, you're, think... you're, you're moving Kyle <laughs> Farmer to your bench and you're, you're moving, you know, Mike Moustakis or Avianus Wars is on your bench. I mean, all of a sudden, the the depth that we think is a problem all of a sudden isn't such a problem because you know you have a healthy Sinzel kind of making your shifting your depth and, and making depth. Yeah, I think if if uh Barrero, Sinzel, and then you've already got India and Stevenson who we're pretty sure are gonna be good, but Barrero and Sinzel join them, and then you got Hunter Green and Nicodolo, who I think are gonna be you talk about a core that really could be a core of a really good team if you just fill in the 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 spots yeah. around them. Man, all of a sudden it gets pretty exciting around here. You love to see it, right? That's what that's what we're all here for. I do. I you had mentioned um, just the other. You know, you wrote this article just last week. Oh yeah, Schrock and Lopez. How can we forget Max Schrock? I forget Max Schrock. Yes. Yeah, the man, the legend. Um, you just recently wrote this article about uh, appreciation of Joey Votto, and I just got to say, first off, I love that you're on obviously the right side of history with this. Um, as guys who have gone to bat for him way more than we probably showed on social media. And it's unbelievable. Um, I think the thing that kind of fascinated me the most about the Joey Votto circumstance is he seems like he was more appreciated nationally than he was in his own town. And I think that's what always frustrated the hell out of me. Um, but now you're kind of seeing with this last year, um, people are kind of really seeing like, you're seeing people kind of come around finally to like, oh, we've had this guy for, you know, two decades and he's been tremendous. Why didn't we notice this? And it's like, here you go. So Chad, I kind of give you a second here to talk about the article. What made you decide you had to write besides the obvious of appreciate what we got. Uh, but just first, also extremely well done, man. Well, thank you. You know, I just, I knew I wanted to write about Joey uh, at some point this uh, off season and I decided to go ahead and pull the trigger just because, you know, what he did this season is, is just, it's, it's hall of fame stuff. I mean, it just is. And, and I was struck this season by, you know, uh, you still get some of this, but, you talk about Joey Votto on Twitter over the last uh, five, 10 years. And the first 10 comments that get come back to you are, well, he's looking at, look at his contract or he's walking too much or why doesn't he drive in runs? And, uh, and this year I kind of saw sort of a, you know, a, a shift a little bit to people realize, Oh wow. He's doing things at age 37 that only hall of famers do only hall of famers are able to produce like this at age 37. And I, listen, I'll confess, I thought he was decline phase. I thought it was, he was on his way out. And um, because that's what the evidence in front of us told us, except for one thing, 
we I forgot that this is Joseph Daniel Votto, and he'll do what he wants to do on the baseball field. And so uh, he decided to completely change everything about uh, what he does. And who can do that at the major league level? Who can just decide, well, okay, I'm not going to be that high OBP guy anymore because I, my bat, I can't do it. My bat speed is not, not there uh, or, you know, whatever the reason is. But I'm just going to become a, a big-time power hitter all of a sudden. And and he does it. I mean, nobody does that. It's just it's the it's the I don't know. He's the most special player in my lifetime as a Reds fan, and I'm just going to enjoy every single, cherish every at bat that I get to watch him because the guy is just uh, he's a legend. I've seen some good ones come through Cincinnati, but nobody like him. And I, and I, and I will probably never see another like him in Cincinnati. Yeah, absolutely. I just- I kind of compare them to, you know, another sports like, and I know it's, these are generational debatable players plus pair of all time talents, but just seeing how athletes now age differently and develop, but like, you know, the way like LeBron James has developed and still like gets better and adds to his game. I feel like Joey Votto kind of did that. And Tom Brady, the way he developed and changed his body type and did everything you see Joey do the same thing. It's like, it's, it's kind of, I feel like rational for me to compare those to those two mainly because I've seen them basically my whole life play professional sports. You're talking about legends. You're talking about Hall of Famers. I mean, I don't yeah. think there's anything wrong with putting Joey Votto in the, that conversation. He's not He's not one of the you know, inner circle greatest players ever to play right. Major League Baseball, but he's a Hall of Famer, uh, no doubt in my mind. It's not even close. Yeah, definitely on the Mount Rushmore of the Reds, you know, in my opinion. Sure. I, mean, I think he's definitely one of the, the top, you know, four players. And, yeah, I mean, cherish what you have these, these last, you know, we assume two more years because uh, – yeah, you're you're might not ever see another player this good at least uh at least offensively uh, uh as Votto and just what he was able to do at this age 37 season I mean there's only a handful of players that are that have been able to do this I mean this is just um, you know ridiculous seven seven homers and seven days like who does that like I've said a million times on here I was at the first game in that stretch <laughs> so. It started with me. Should have Did been you know it was coming? Um, my wife took me for my birthday, and she was like, what if he gets a home run here? Because she knows he's like my favorite player. You know, she doesn't know a whole lot about sports, so she's like, wouldn't that be cool? And I'm like, yeah, that would be cool. And then, like, his next at bat, he hit one. And I was like, touche. It's cool to see, you know, just humble bragging here, you know, being able to see him in the minor leagues all the work that he put in every article you hear, you know, how hard he works. It's, it's all true. It's not cliche. Like he's the first one there for batting practice. He's taking grounders after the game. I've said on here numerous times, he has got to put in that work so he can be the player that he is. He's not, you know, he's, he was gifted with, you know, certain abilities, but he had to work for everything else that he's had. And, you know, by the way he took care of his body, he's able to play at this level this long. Um, it's not something you can just switch to at the end of your career. You have to, you know, train your body this way the entire time, especially in baseball, because, you know, as many games as they have to play. And it's really cool to be able to see it uh, firsthand because, I mean, I knew it was going to happen. Like I knew he wasn't done. I knew it, it was the constant grind, the work in. And, you know, whenever he says stuff, as we know, it usually comes true, and he's telling me this. I'm not done. I'm coming back. I'm gonna be in the MVP talks. I'm like, okay, all right, here we go. You know, and I'm I'm excited for this year as well. Let's just say that. It's nice to see him enjoy it. 
enjoy it so much yeah. too this last year. You know, really kind of you know coming out of his shell and just you know you could tell it was special to him what he was doing, and I think that is what made it you know a little extra you know fun for for us just just watching at home is just you know seeing him having just you know the time of his life. He's one of the most talented players, certainly that 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 we've seen. But it's not talent that got him here. I think what Carlos has, has been saying is exactly right because yeah. I've never seen a player, never in my life have I seen a player in a Reds uniform that was so serious about his craft, that was so serious about putting the work and kind of dialing in and you know working on uh, whatever part of his game he felt like needed to be worked on to improve himself. And it's just again, I, I keep using the term joy. It's been an absolute joy to be able to watch him practice that craft. And and listen, I. I hope the Reds sign him to an extension uh, at the end of this contract. Frankly, I do too. I yeah, also I hope that he's because done after two, these next two years, he's not going to be done. I, 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 I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah, I also hope that um, because he got the city, the whole city of Cincinnati to watch Ted Lasso, that he gets to make a cameo in season three. Um, because they probably owe him a lot for royalties. <laughs> That'd be great. It's got to be better than that time he had to be on American Dad, right? <laughs> Wait, did that really happen? Yeah, he was an animated character on American Dad. How do I not know this? I knew he was one for the Cleveland show. That's what it was. Sorry, the Cleveland show. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, I, I do remember, remember that. that. <laughs> yeah, like, know what I'm doing on YouTube after this? <laughs> Wait, Nick, you didn't know this? I man, I don't. I don't know if I remember it. Maybe it seems like fuzzy. A lot of fu- a <laughs> lot of fuzzy up there. Yes, but Ted Lasso, if the producers are watching, which I know they're not, but if they were, let's get Joey Votto on season three. Have you guys watched it yet? I know Chad has. I know Chad's a, a big fan. Have you guys I watched just it finally, yet? I finally got Apple TV Plus, so I'm, I'm finally starting it. I started with The Shriek Next Door, so next is Ted Lasso. Oh, I, just, I just finished that. Well, when you start, you're you're going to knock it out in like two days. So just just be aware. <laughs> Good to know. It's legit. It's, a, it's, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. It's like my kind of comedy too, so I'm all for that. Um, so I wonder real quick, let's bring up uh the zips projections obviously for this season compared to last year's. And obviously kind of unique. There's some similarities, but I think one of the things that kind of jumped out the most is you know, the infield obviously was kind of having a more of an understanding. Uh you see, you know, obviously Joey had that huge year last year, and then um, uh, you know, going from Tucker and Kirk Casale to Tyler Stevens, you obviously understand they're going to take a little bit of a jump, but not a drop, but not terrible. But kind of looking at this, it kind of goes back to what we were saying about like, look, this is a fun baseball team. And these are actually pretty darn similar to each other when you kind of go around the diamond. I uh, kind of curious, kind of get your thoughts on everything when you look at these, these numbers, Chad. It's kind of what we've been saying uh, all all day today, really. You know, it's, that's, it's, it's not a bad team. It's it's a pretty good team, you know, and, and I think there's a lot, uh, a lot of upside here. Maybe more upside this year than I saw out of last year's team. Frankly, I don't know. You mean you know we don't, we're not going to get Barnhart, uh, whatever he provided at catcher, but you know Stevenson's going to get more playing time. And Stevenson, we know what Stevenson can do with more playing time. Um, we know we got Jonathan India now. We we were hopeful about Jonathan India coming into last season, but not very many people would um, you know kind of go all in on Jonathan India. Now everybody's all in on him. And I think that that projection is just, it's mind blowing uh, to have a second year, second baseman with, with that yeah. type of a projected war. Um, 
but then also you look at a, yeah, a guy like Sinzel, you know, can he be, can he be Sinzel again? And th- things all of a sudden look just completely different with, with this team. So um, this is the exact reason why I, I keep trying to remind myself, we still have a pretty good team here in Cincinnati. There's no reason really to, to jump ship just yet. Um, oh, but again, they could be better if they, <laughs> if the ownership wanted to, wanted to fix them. But uh, I think that, I think the projections kind of, showed what we were all thinking, which is, eh, this is a pretty good little team. And uh, I'm excited to watch him play. Yeah, I am too. You talked about people buying in on Jonathan India. Uh, last year during spring training, when he first started making that tear to like potentially make the team, I think I bought every single rookie Broman Jonathan India card. So if he wants to keep on this trajectory and I can retire early, um, I'm cool with this. I'm all for it. Uh, you bought that India stock early. Good work. Oh, yeah, yeah. It turned out really well, especially after he got his rookie of the year award. Um, so it's looking good right now, uh, sitting on my shelf behind me. Um, but this is kind of some of the projections here. Uh, kind of talk about some of the comparisons of players and things like that. But yeah, I'm with you. I think that really kind of you see. I think it's nice to kind of see the upside of what we've heard. Because if you remember, like, this isn't disrespect to those guys that I'm going to name before them. But before the Indias and Stevenses and Senzels, you know, we were like, well, is Nick Howard going to pitch? Is Nick Traviesa ever going to pitch? And it's like, okay, so yeah, you're losing these Tucker Barnharts and these guys, but that like kind of still to keep afloat with the young talent you saw last year. It makes things really exciting. Yeah, no question. No question. I mean, you know, and look at those pitchers, you know, Miley Gray and Castillo, uh, top three. You know, yes, I'd love to have Wade Miley as fourth. And then you got a boatload of guys that could be in that fifth spot uh, or be depth, you know, when somebody ultimately gets hurt. But I, I don't know. I think, I think. Um, I think when we look at this team in the coming year, I think I'm just going to remind myself, look at this team like Nick Kirby would look at this team. Okay, believe. Or like <laughs> Ted Lasso would. Believe, right? Because there is there are is real reason for hope. We're not just, you know, some of those 90 lost seasons we had, uh, you know, before this current uh, run, you had to kind of squint and say, well, they might be able to be a 500 team if everything breaks right. Here, yeah. you don't really have to, you're not really projecting too much. Even though we're talking about projections, it's a it's a it's a good little team. It's a perfectly fine little team, uh, and who knows? Maybe they'll be the little team that could. I mean, I see five positions on there that I could absolutely see outproducing their their wins above replacement. Winker, Senzel, and center. Uh, Mustakis was like 0.8. He could outdo that. Barrero yeah. at shortstop could outdo the 1.2. Stevenson we know could outdo the 1.8. I mean, that's five positions. Um, I'd say Votto. I'd say Votto too. Yeah, yeah, Votto at 2.1. I, if India outdoes 3.9, man, he would really uh, <laughs> he, he he build a statue at that. Skip point. arbitration. Go ahead and sign yeah. the long term contract. Let's just go ahead and go get through this. But yeah, I mean, it's not you know they were high, and you looked at last year's, and it's like, oh wow, they actually were higher than last year, and they actually added up to about the exact same as uh, what they actually did last year. But they're still several players that you can see doing better. So that that's kind of the encouraging thing. Uh, man, those three starters, man, look at that. I know everyone's kind of like trade gray with his value so high, but if you're not going to get yeah, uh, something great back, I mean, it, you're not just going to pick up a, a, you know, three or four win pitcher. And, you know, I have a lot of concerns with his health, but man, when he pitches, he's, he's, I think still probably one of the top 20, 25 pitchers in baseball. Yeah, I think when I kind of talked about it, mine wasn't like I said I want them to trade Gray. I just kind of felt like it was like 
if I had to pick one of the three, I felt like it was him. And I, you know, I, I did predict that I thought he pitched his last game with us. And thankfully this off season starting to make it seem like that might not be the case. Um, I can't imagine this could be a quick turnaround trade, you know, once uh, things are talked back, back up, but you know, it, like Nick said, like if you're not getting, you know, something like fantastic, I mean, we don't need to have another, when they traded Denny Nagel for Drew Henson, the Michigan quarterback situation ever again, we just, we don't have to go through that again. It, it doesn't have to be that way. I like the early, um, candidate hashtag for what would nick kirby believe i like it <laughs> oh, no. i might get that one trending on twitter instead oh, of kirby hates farmer man there's gonna be t-shirts i guess it's better than than kirby hates farmer i don't know there's t-shirts man <laughs> what well, that's something i wanted to ask why do you hate kyle farmer <laughs> i just you know Chad, I'm just this really negative Reds fan, you know, who no, always <laughs> always looks at everything at the the most negative uh, aspect of everything, and you know, it just it. I think I went too far. I went too far last year with Farmer, and I, I've apologized to to Kyle and his wife and his his baby, and you know, I hope we can move past it. I absolutely love that he was going and liking tweets of people saying negative things about him. That was just excellent. No response. Just likes the the res- response is too far. The you know, yeah. uh, a certain former player blocking player people because of things that weren't even tweeted at them. That's too far. But going and liking tweets, that's 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 kind of a baller move. I kind of I love it. I did too. Yeah, I respect it. You love it. <laughs> Motivated. I hope he like has them printed in his locker. You know, like those tweets. Like, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I really don't hope that. Said. <laughs> you, ever, you ever see those? I don't know which uh, one of the late night show shows, but celebrities reading like mean tweets about yeah, Jimmy Kimmel videos. Yeah, it's on Kimmel. Yeah, so uh, we need we need a Kyle Farmer edition of that or a <laughs> yes. Reds edition reading, reading mean Those tweets uh, about themselves. And I'm sure bless his heart, Farmer. You know, and I, you know, I, I, I feel like I feel bad when I say something bad about Farmer because what more do you want out of a player? The guy plays his butt off. You know, plays whatever position you ask him to play. And he is who he is, and he did better than everybody thought he was going to. He did better than I thought he'd do this year. He's better, much better defensively. But you know, is he the future at shortstop? Well, no, but so that doesn't mean he can't be a perfectly productive player and be a you know a part of this team. And I don't know, I I, I feel a little guilty, I guess. Kyle Farmer reading mean tweet at Reds. Let's do it. That is that 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 might that's one of your your top ten ideas, Chad. That's a good Jamie. Idea. Jamie, if you're watching, <laughs> you're a guy. We love you. All Please don't put any of my like... tweets on there. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Right? No, no, we're, we're exempt. We're exempt. <laughs> yeah, we're fine. We're fine. This idea. The last thing I need is a is is a people reading mean tweets and have Hunter Green on there. You know, <laughs> dragging me through the mud again. I don't need that. <laughs> I forgot Chad, about that. Chad, why do you hate Hunter Green? <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't. Please don't. Uh, yeah, if you, I'll just quick story because I found out a lot of people on our own show that didn't remember that story, but oh, we were having a conversation one day on, on the Twitters. And first of all, never tweet is my, is what really what you need to understand about this story. Just don't tweet. That's, there's no, no upside to tweeting, but we were having a conversation about whether who should be untouchable in terms of Reds players. And I was like, well, nobody's untouchable. You know, I'd trade Hunter Green if the right deal came around. I'd trade Joey Bob if the right deal came around. And somebody said, oh, no, Hunter Green should be untouchable. I was like, well, yeah, but what happens if, you know, in a year and a half, he blows out his arm and uh, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> Hashtag never tweet. Um, 
you know, what if he blows out his arm in a year and a half and he has no value and you, he's not going to play in the big leagues? Well, and he picks up the tweet. He retweets it and says something about, oh, I see how y'all, I don't remember what he said. He was right to be offended. He, he didn't understand the context, but, and it ends up on the front page of the Inquirer, Cincinnati Inquirer the next day. And I'm like, oh, oh shit. I'm, I'm sitting at work. My phone's blowing up. Um, and, uh, you know, for those of you who know that what I did it for work at that time, I was like, had a bunch of people there in the room around me and it was just a, it was, it was wild, but I love you, Hunter Green. I promise. I love you now. Please don't get hurt this year, please. please. What's that? No, I was asking Nick if he's been in trouble because of Twitter. I have. We know you have, Carlos. <laughs> you got Derek Gold going, and you and Derek Gold's fan base are going at it. Not him. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that you know that reminds me again. I started to hijack here, but uh, my buddy Chris Garber, who was my co-author on the book, um, he said something about Yadi Molina it's being ridiculous. Yadi Molina is a first people consider him a first ballot Hall of Famer or something like that. And, uh, man, Cardinals Twitter, Twitter went after him that day. I mean, they went on Amazon and were giving us one star reviews on the book. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was bad. Uh, and the, frankly, the book deserved one star reviews. That's not a problem, but he, he had a, he had a bad day on Twitter. He was the, he was the main story on Twitter that day. Unbelievable, man. Like you said, there's no upsides to tweeting. Never tweet. <laughs> we had that episode when we had Mo Edgar on, I was like, guys, it's Okay to take a Twitter break sometime. You probably need to do it for your mental health from time to time. It's totally okay. Um, but yeah, I think we kind of, we touched on everything here. Chad, this is awesome, man. Obviously we love talking with you. Um, I'm a big fan. Like I said earlier, before we came on, uh, I really love your letterbox account. I, I follow you because I always want to get, I know you're going through the Marvel movie marathon right now. And I am, so, yes, you noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. You had the same review I did for Spider-Man and it was my favorite ever. So, um, I, I've been really You're talking about Spider-Man that. 3 with Tobey Maguire, right? Yeah, 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 of course. The greatest movie of all time. <laughs> right, um, but, you know, so Chad's, got, Chad's really interactive there on the letterbox. I think everyone should be because we all watch movies. Let's act, act like we don't. Um, but it's a lot, a lot of fun there. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. I'm so happy we're back and starting our second year of Late Night Reds Talk Live now. How crazy is that? We used to do this on a phone app, and now we have a full-fledged podcast. Um, so hopefully you guys enjoyed the best of that Nick did uh, put together last week. That was awesome. Um, especially when Carlos came on, it looked like we were a realistic podcast. So that made us look pretty cool. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, but other than that, thank you all for tuning in. Please take some time to give us a follow on Twitter. Give us a nice far, a solid review on Apple podcasts. Uh, we'll be uh, here each and every week until the season starts and then the season starts, will kick in. So take it easy, everyone.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.